and ladies and gentlemen we are back today my guest is alex van Teul. that's it yeah van Teul in english van, van Teul. Teul in dutch yeah okay Welcome thank you yeah show. good to be here yeah. hi okay we can say to the guests to the guests to the mm. viewers that we had a quite uh, mind twisting discussion about the nature of reality yeah yeah but wouldn't be the first so guys sorry we don't share it with you <laughs> no that's ours you'd have to pay for that it's premium content yeah yeah if you're gonna check out my patreon at one point yeah yeah, yeah. maybe you can maybe you can have some access some bits and pieces i mean a sneak it. preview is that you don't know what's going on in the world because you have to assume that all your senses are giving you everything that you know and that you can trust that yeah yeah and also we have to believe in uh, science scientism science not scientism yeah. um we have to believe that that certain things certain we have to take on certain assumptions before we can have discussions about yeah. other things yeah But science, in a sense, it's a process, right? We, we, we is, kind yeah. of, uh, came to this conclusion. Yeah, science is a process, but these days, uh, so there used to be religion, there still is religion, there still uh, should be to some extent. Uh, but in uh, since the Enlightenment, science has become, has gone from skepticism, and by science I now mean the scientific world, the institutions, mm -hmm. to a big authority for good reasons obviously um, but very often it's become that if you question the main narrative of the scientific establishment again the establishment not the scientific process which mm. is important that you then find yourself very marginalized and that's a discussion that you can't have when really we should be having that discussion mm. i think that's what our one of our conclusions was yeah let's get back to the roots mm -hmm. of how did you get to wageningen Oh yeah, so uh, I've always been interested in a lot of things. I've always yeah. had broad interests, still do. And when I was in secondary school, I must have been around 16, I came across a project online where you could build a hydroponic system using IKEA parts. So a hydroponic system, for those who don't know, is where you grow plants in water rather than soil. That's basically it. And Normally, this would be a tab that would be open on my computer for two weeks and then it would sort of vanish mysteriously. But this time I decided to actually take action. And so I built one of these systems and my dad helped out a lot. Um, we got some grow tents. We set up some pots as well with soil, yeah. grew tomatoes, cucumbers, uh, spicy peppers, which was good fun at school. Um, How long did it take to build it? Oh, I'm not really sure. It, it must have... It was it was done in phases, I suppose, but it was probably about two days of work. Okay, but, but uh, from the moment it was done, how long did it take that you had the first uh, harvest? Oh yeah, that was good. Um, so I got a pepper plant from the shop that already had peppers on it, but after that, I think it must have been one or two months before the first tomato. That was quite a surprise. Mm. You know, it's like, hey, we got a tomato. And, mm. and we're in the attic, by the way. It's just mm. all artificial lighting. Mm. Um, it was probably around one to two months. Mm. And yeah, and that was it. And the yield was quite surprising. Uh, got quite, a, I can't, I forget what exactly it was, but it was it was enough to make a significant mm. contribution to our, uh, our dietary yeah. requirements. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it was good yeah. fun. 
So that was the initial inspiration to, yeah. to search for some higher educational institute where you can pursue the... Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Because I came, I became quite interested in agriculture more broadly speaking. First, it was just interesting to grow plants in this strange way, hydroponics. Yeah. Then I found out that hydroponics saves a lot of water, that it uh, eliminates certain diseases, all these other advantages I'm sure a lot of people in Wakening know. And then through that, I found out about indoor agriculture and then some, ex well, vertical farming, really. That's where I got into. And the whole, yeah, engineering these systems became very interesting to me. Hmm. And this was really the only place to study that. I mean, yeah, you got a few places in Belgium and probably in the UK as well. But Wakeningen is the best place for this, especially indoor agriculture because yeah. we're in the Netherlands. So that's why I'm here, yeah. And you just have this deep interest mm -hmm. in uh, these systems or you have a deeper drive that uh, you want to solve certain problems of uh, humanity or how to feed the cities uh, oh, absolutely. which are getting uh, overpopulated? Yeah, yeah. Well, to me, there are multiple aspects because agriculture touches on so many different things. So on one side, you've got health because that is really the foundation of life, really. Uh, to put it that way uh, if you're not healthy you're not going to have a good life in other mm. ways it's just a big barrier and then the other one is um, the environment resources sustainability to use a word that no one ever says here yeah um, so those two sides are the things that interest me because I'm, I'm quite interested in <laughs> a friend of mine once called me his minister of health mm. because I'm kind of interested in in what is good for our health but at the same time that has to be sustainable from a point of view of our planet and i'm sure a lot of people think the same yeah so those are the two things that yeah. really drive me and how is it so far since you are in wagoning it's already your fourth year here yeah it is <laughs> yeah yeah well, it's going uh, it's going quickly yeah, yeah i finished my bachelor's i went on an exchange to singapore yeah. for half a year how was it uh, because it's typically an urban environment where yeah yeah uh, this uh, issue should be solved somehow mm -hmm. I, I don't know how much how many percentage how the uh, percentage uh, what they import it's pretty it's high, quite high 95 or so yeah it's know. yeah it's, it's over 90 probably 95 i mean surprisingly singapore still produces i think 20 percent of its eggs like a fairly mm. high uh, proportion mm. And then you got some farms doing leafy greens, stuff like that. Hmm. Uh, but it hasn't always been that way. I think in the 60s, uh, there's Singapore was even exporting pork and eggs, hmm. you know. But then again, the population was like one million back then. Hmm. Now it's five and a half. Hmm. So there's a lot of importing of, of yeah, food, water. So I think they're trying to work on that because on the other side, there's a lot of waste that they're producing. It's a highly developed country people produce a lot of waste mm. and they don't have the space to deal with that so I, I actually volunteered at a company um, I say volunteered it was it was helping out harvesting but what they had and what they were building was um, an aquaponics mushrooms insect system mm. so they had one crate well crate it was more like a a big tent where they had lots and lots of crates of black soldier flies mm. and they'd give the black soldier flies waste that would then turn this gunk that wouldn't have any other value otherwise into something of higher quality the insects and the fertilizer and then they used the fertilizer on their soil based farm uh, growing things like fruits uh, mm. stuff like that 
and they would well then they'd have insects right but then they also had an aquaponics system so fish combined with plants the fish fertilize the plants the plants clean the water that whole story and then the last step they had was mushrooms and mushrooms are very useful because you have all these uh, wastes that have lignocellulose in them mm. right like grass uh, wood chippings uh, what's it called sawdust that sort of thing that we can't digest and that insects can't digest it's completely yeah. useless but mushrooms can digest it and yeah. turn it into something useful yeah. so they had insects aquaponics mushrooms and now they're trying to connect this so that the insects could go to the fish and so they could have well the mushrooms are sort of separate but they're trying to integrate yeah. this and that was very interesting to see mm. and that's what I've, I've been interested in recently yeah mm. And basically, I also went into a little bit uh, mushroom, in the, into mushroom studies. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. And Permanent personality and, change, and, I heard. And, <laughs> and basically, everything what uh, cannot be eaten mm. by other, other animals or creatures will be, one way or another, processed by mushroom cultures. It's in, amazing. In I wrote a... I, I, I was part of a group writing a book chapter on uh, aquaponics, mushrooms, insects, mm. Amy systems, and... Our approach was to compare Amy systems to natural ecosystems because in natural ecosystems you've got the primary producers, plants, you've got the consumers, what is it, primary consumers I think they're called, so that eat the plants, then you have the mm. carnivores, no you've got carnivores, herbivores, yeah. carnivores obviously eat meat, and then you have the detrivores, and that's where mushrooms come in, but also mm. insects, so they eat things that are already mm. decaying and all messed up, but they can still do something with it, and that's what you would ideally have in any system that wants to sustain life so yeah. all the functions that you see in nature should also be in one of these amy yeah. systems yeah. and did you check out the financial validity of this uh, this like i mean to from i mean it's a complex system yeah yeah and uh, it's mimicking nature yes so the question is how dense of a population uh, i guess it's pretty much will be designed for the big cities possibly somewhere, somewhere. possibly i used to be very interested in vertical farming i still am but to me it's more about those nutrient cycles and that ecosystems yeah. approach and whether it's a vertical farm or a greenhouse it's fairly trivial to be honest yeah. um, so i don't as for the cost i don't really know because if you have a greenhouse and you have a an aquaculture system those are two systems that, that work, right? There are plenty yeah. of them. So connecting those two shouldn't be too much of a step. You don't need that much new infrastructure. And, you know, you save on disposing that waste. You save on uh, fertilizer. It's small cost, yeah. but still. So in that sense, it shouldn't be that much more expensive. Your yield might go down a little bit. But the thing is, we don't really know of any of these systems in practice. You've got aquaponics that's relatively successful on a small scale but it's all fairly I wouldn't say new these are fairly old principles but the way they're being applied in these systems is new and there's still a lot that needs to happen you know the whole complexity if you've got insects then you feed them to fish then that goes to plants so many uncertainties there and then if you feed the insects waste how can you manage that optimally yeah so, you know, the, so the, the numbers should kind of fit to the system yeah yeah Somehow. and at least to to have the supply from the waste yeah, you know? yeah. yes there's that too because i remember you saying once that you 
we should be reducing the amount of waste in the first place. Yeah, which is a fair true. argument, yeah. right? Why would you, right, guys? Let's uh, throw away half of what we eat so yeah. that we can feed these Amy systems. <laughs> you know, it's, it's no good yeah. doing that. Yeah. Um, but there will always be waste in some yeah. form. You know, if you're yeah. going to produce fish through aquaculture, yeah. there's always going to be waste. Yeah, the, the, I think the you know? it's just the approach that whatever waste you have, try to put back into systems as fast as possible or yes. in a short chain as possible yes. instead of uh, mixing it or whatever. So, for example, mm. from that, uh, like when you have like the rest of well, I mean, the, yeah. the, the mixed everything together. Yeah, yeah, I forget what it's called. So that's mm. that's actually the that's taking out the resources resources for the longest time from mm -hmm. from use because at least if you put them separately somewhere mm -hmm. then they can use it the, use the plastic you could use the other yes. or the organic waste you can use it one way or another but mm -hmm. if it's mixed what is happening still in many countries so that was my second question is about uh, singapore how was the culture there about separating waste and uh, yeah what how countries one. were they i found them Compared to Wageningen and Campus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they are conscious in a different way about it. I think here in Wageningen, people are a lot more aware. Um, in Singapore, they're less aware, but they are more reminded of the importance of saving water, for example, mm. because most of their water comes from Malaysia. Yeah. So if the Malaysians decide to turn off the tap, then they're pretty screwed. And so in that sense, I think Singaporeans are made more aware of these things, but whether the average Singaporean yeah. is more aware than the average person in Wageningen or but could you see the not, infrastructure? Was, the infrastructure. It, was, was it there yes. available every every on the street? Uh... Separating waste, um, surprisingly little in some places, yeah. yes, but in other, in a lot of places, no. I remember on campus there was, you know, the university. Yeah. But if you go to a shopping street, stuff like that, you get a lot of disposable single-use plastics, mm. a lot of bins that are just, you know, not separating waste. Yeah. So in that sense, um, one thing they do do very well is greening the city. Yeah. But I think that's more from an aesthetic point yeah, of view. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we were talking about waste, uh, waste management and resources. So that's yeah. why my question was, for example, yeah. in Gran Canaria, Las Palmas, mm -hmm. uh, like already six or seven years ago when I went there first, I was surprised yeah. how conscious were they about the separation. Yeah. In Singapore, there are, but not as much as, as I would have expected. Yeah. I went to Mauritius a few years ago with my family and there there were some things that that were were surprising like in a in a good way uh, they had these bottles that were designed in a sort of spiral way in a way that was very easy to twist them hmm. and so if you twist the bottle it it's a very easy way to compact it you can yeah. try this at home uh, hmm. viewers um and so everyone was made aware of of reducing the volume of their waste with these practical ways hmm. And that's something I haven't seen anywhere else in the world, hmm. but it's something that obviously is important to them. Okay. And yeah. uh, and the next uh, chapter will be close to Amy or developing it further, or you are uh, chartering to new territories. 
I think I'm, I'm still doing things with Amy. Uh, the group I mentioned with the book chaps, we now want to write a paper on Amy to test our assumptions, to mm. look at what's out there, because we've been discussing this and it's become a bit of a bubble, mm. but we want to see what the rest of the world thinks in terms of literature mm. and, and all that. Um, but I'm still open to other things. I mean, I think agriculture in general is interesting. For my master thesis, I'm looking at doing something with insects. Hmm. So not only how do you... Well, if you have a crate of insects or a system with lots of different crates, that's very unpredictable. So how do you feed these crates optimally? And then if you're using waste, how do you predict how much waste you can use? Because the waste is also... Uh, never going to be that constant yeah uh, so it's yeah that's something I'm looking into but that'll be what six months from now hmm. so I'm still very interested in this idea of waste combining different organisms using principles of ecosystems to produce food yeah yeah and uh, what can you do on a daily level too I think the biggest one would be separating waste really yeah. because No, I really think that would be the biggest problem. How do you That's see the, the students input. actually apply uh, this uh, idea? I mean, it's pretty much in the wagoning spirit. but It varies, I, yeah. But uh, I had also some negative example. Oh, yeah. I have seen it. Oh, for sure. I've, yeah. I've seen them too. Yeah, not yeah. too far from where I live on my corridor. Yeah. Um, I, was, uh, I once did a survey with a group uh, on separating waste. And in general, people separate fairly well not exceptionally well not exceptionally mm. bad um, they paper is the easiest and then you got plastics and metals and all that stuff but the one thing that stood out was that organic waste hardly ever gets separated I mm. mean a minority uh, separates the organic waste mm. because it's just not practical mm. either it you know it starts uh, attracting flies or they just don't have the space for it or mm. all these things so that's that's a big challenge and even in Wakening yeah we did a survey on that two years ago now yeah okay and how is your life in Wakening and you are keeping busy yourself with all, all kinds of science clubs and projects well yeah a few things um, Wakening is a strange place it's it's not the kind of place where you you go to study there because of the place itself yeah. I think you need to settle in you need to it's kind of the kind of place that grows on you so yeah, yeah now um Yeah, I am doing a few things. I was I was quite busy last year. I was doing the honors program. I was doing my bachelor thesis. I was uh, on the board of something else, uh, Toastmasters, mm. all these things. Now I'm trying to bring it down a bit and uh, and I guess work less intensively. Um, mm. So now it's really biosystems engineering, getting my masters, which is going well. Toastmasters really enjoying it mm. being on the board so mm. thank you mm. um and then the the amy thing as well i think i just want to limit it to that right now and uh, you have a life still uh, i do I mean, yeah I mean, now i do I mean, that's that's the question <laughs> like uh, you do some sport or what what is uh Right, yeah. Generally, I uh, so in terms of sports, I, I mean, you I, are into into some experiments. Also, you are you're drinking tea. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what uh, intermittent fasting? Yes. or not anymore, or what? I am still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So still. these these how how do you puzzle this all together? Because okay, hmm. we we know enough about the scientific stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Well, um, 
Yeah, so I'm I'm very much into experimenting yeah. with things like that. So I've been intermittent uh, doing intermittent fasting for four years now, I think. Hmm. And uh, with which, uh, how big is your window or the time window? When I'm not that strict with it, but okay. basically I skip breakfast and any time after eleven thirty, I have my first meal. Mm. If okay. I have a lecture at eleven, I might just go ahead and yeah. and have something before that because mm. I'd rather do that than uh, go and have one of these lunches at university that's yeah. not that good. Um, so I'm not that strict with it. In the evening, do you have a time limit? Uh, I guess I don't eat anything after eight, eight thirty. But I'm not that strict with it. The only thing that I'm really strict with is that I want to have physically exerted myself, whether it just be get up and do some work or, or cycle to university and back before I eat. To me, it's very strange now to get up and just start eating. Like you haven't done anything yet, you know. And then there's also the health reason and. I'm just used to it, I suppose. But I'm not that strict with it, no. Okay. And what was your intention to try it? Or you have heard on uh, some podcast? Mm-hmm. Or I mean, yeah, it's, uh, you are in a crazy age. Uh, yeah, yeah, aren't we all? Yeah. Literally, the podcast culture started like five, six years ago. Yeah. And I guess I assume that you kind of sucked it in like, okay, oh, it's interesting. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was sort of uh, growing when I was, I guess. Um, do you have any favorite podcasts or I quite like Joe Rogan yeah. um, I don't listen to his podcast very often in full but there yeah. are these these five minute clips online that are very yeah. interesting then there's a podcast have you heard of the art of manliness no, no. they discuss ha, all sorts of topics it's, it's not just about manliness but about mm. um, it's very broad it's about philosophy about practical things how to do things better in life it also touches on this theme of the way modernity is in some sense failing us and how we can cope hmm. with that hmm. it's it's very broad um, and did you wh- pick up some nice philosophy uh, like sto- uh, stoicism or yes stoicism call yeah, yeah. buddhism also philosophy or they call it call themselves more like a philosophy yeah like a way of life isn't yeah. it yeah yeah i've been quite into stoicism i remember yeah. when i started studying here um, that's around the time I got into intermittent fasting and all these mm. things. I read a book on Stoicism. Um, I was also following this blog at the time that I'm still following, uh, StartGainingMomentum.com. Mm. And this guy had an ebook, and it was something like 75 practical tips. And one of them was intermittent fasting, and that's why I tried that. Um, but then I also got into Stoicism, read a book on it. It was, yeah, very interesting. And that's... Which book was that? By William Irvine, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Stoicism, A Guide to the Good Life, Mm. The Ancient Art of Stoic Joy. Mm. A lot of people mention the the source of of Stoicism. You've got Marcus Aurelius' Meditations, you've got Seneca, Seneca. all these things. Yeah. 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 But I thought this was a very good overview because it sort of summarizes all of these different writers Mm. and it looks at it from different angles and... It's, it's quite yeah. practical as well. It gives the techniques. Have you heard about uh, Ryan Holiday? The Obstacles yes. the Way? The yeah. Obstacles the Way, that's another one. Yeah, I haven't read that one, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah cool. it's, it's, it's very interesting. I like it. Okay, and uh, what is your uh, next te- step after? I mean, it's one more year from the uni for you? Yeah, like one and a half. Yeah, wow. in a year I should be done with my thesis, then my internship, and then that's it. Mm. Yeah, something I'm really pondering at the moment. 
a lot of people have been saying I'd be perfect for a PhD mm. and recently I've thought that they're probably right mm. uh, and it would be interesting imagine doing a PhD on Amy systems and, mm. and after four years getting out there and being an expert on it and just having mm. a solid foundation at the same time though I've been in Wackeninger well I would have been I will have been here for what five and a half years and I do feel it's time to see something else for a bit mm. something either a new place or do something that's outside of the world of academia mm. start working in the real world and, and seeing what things are like there before taking that decision so that's where I'm at right now yeah. but it's but yeah. staying in Europe or maybe somewhere probably probably um, I wouldn't mind going to the States or Canada yeah. Australia's maybe a bit far but yeah right now I don't really see myself going outside of the western world maybe Singapore yeah some maybe very, some parts some of Eastern Asia densely populated uh, yeah, city yeah. somewhere maybe Japan Tokyo. possibly yeah yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm open to all ideas and suggestions yeah but those are the main areas I'm thinking of at the moment yeah so it's this yeah. uh, Amy system and this this line is pretty much uh, de determining uh, your faith in the last uh, in the last couple of years and yeah, uh, it, yeah. it seems like it's gonna determine the next uh, couple of years yeah in a way it's it's come to that I mean it's it, it developed from this thing indoors with the indoor agriculture to vertical farming and then mm. I got to know some people uh, doing you know interested in aquaponics mushrooms and insects they coined the term Amy then I started to decide that the vertical farming aspect wasn't as interesting as the Amy aspect mm. and then that if you want to do the Amy thing you need to manage it very efficiently and effectively because it's so complex and that's where I am right now and that you know natural mimicking e ecosystems has become the conclusion of this highly controlled highly sterilized indoor mm. agriculture now it's more ecosystems which is mm. almost the opposite but I, whether I want to do a PhD in that or not is something I don't know yet because there are some interesting companies I might want to work for mm. first. Yeah, I'm and still something I'm pondering. And what if uh, Amy is all being figured out? What if uh, you put two more years in and you're going to uh, kind of uh, find the missing links? Ooh, yeah. What, you mean it's figured out before I... What, what do you mean? Bef I mean, you are still young. I mean, mm. there is... Uh, lot of many other things to do you know yeah there, i mean so if amy suddenly uh yeah if it's all been figured out and uh i would yeah. yeah yeah what what other i mean you have some other ideas about uh yeah what would be interesting to do uh, farming somewhere or yeah farming that's that's sort of like one of these uh fantasies of mine just to go and live yeah. in the countryside nice little yeah. old cottage and do some yeah. farming and uh, away from all this busy uh all the busy life here um one thing that really interests me at the moment is uh, classical architecture, actually. Mm. I mean, I'm not very uh, au fait with, with all the terminology and all that. One of the things I wanted to do in secondary school was architecture, actually. That, that was one of my ideas. And, yeah, it's fascinating, like building the natural materials mm. in traditional ways that fit the landscape, that, that mimic or that our continuation of our, our history, our culture, our heritage, hmm. rather than just stripping that all away and replacing it with 
cubes. uniform glass steel yeah. cubes you yeah. know yeah, yeah. so if i had to choose again and amy were no longer an option i'd probably go for that i, I really think it's fascinating yeah. because again it touches on people's quality of life yeah. because our surroundings in a way um justify our dignity if we build things that make yeah. us feel like we're little ants um yeah. that we're insects uh, it's going to have an effect on our, our mindset yeah. and also yeah having things fit together and building with materials that last long and are natural yeah. and sustainable yeah yeah actually uh, it goes back to you know i maybe i mentioned it also to you but maybe in other podcasts that uh, mm. You know the peasant culture, which yeah. was much more uh, alive fifty uh, years ago. Let's say in entire U- Europe, there were much mm-hmm. more peasants, yeah. and then the, this uh, uh, depeasantration, this sociological process, went through also in Eastern Europe, but also in Western Europe. Yeah, in Eastern Europe because of the Soviet system, in Western Europe because of the banking and finance system, yeah. uh, which, uh, yeah, industrialization, industrialization. Uh, both sides the industrialization but yeah. in the in the soviet system it was concentration because mm. of the commons yeah, and yeah. Uh, the the capitalist system is concentration because the financial interest because uh, if you get the loan from the bank mm-hmm. and if you don't survive if you don't if you cannot keep up the growing mm-hmm. this kind of infinite growth of uh, yeah, then uh, you had to uh, give up farming yes and the interesting thing about the peasant lifestyle is that mm-hmm. the, the, the people of Europe, like our ancestors, like two, three generations ago, yeah, they they actually solved or they actually they lived both of your passions. Yeah, they could build their own house from natural materials. Yeah, and they could uh, grow their own food and create. They created the natural systems and yeah. there were very few ke- chemicals my i talked to my grandmother she told me that there were so uh, few chemicals used uh, 50 60 years ago yeah and then yeah it's, it, it's yeah. the the chemical spiraled in uh, you know the because they were pretty much deeply influencing the ecosystem you know the the oh right the in the agriculture like the monoculture and uh, all what you have with the monoculture of the diseases if mm-hmm. you just uh, treat it with uh, chemicals like pesticides or yeah. herbicides then it's gonna affect the immune uh, immune system uh, immune, the immune uh, the system. ecosystem well the immune system yeah. of the ecosystem yeah, there yeah, you go yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah definitely it's so it's just, it's just so crazy that uh, we are kind of also scientifically trying to reinvent the wheel. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the weirdest thing, you know, starting with controlled environment ecosystem or tr- controlled environment agriculture where you control the light, the water, everything. And then arriving at this conclusion that natural ecosystems or at least approaching and mimicking them is the answer to that. Yeah. At least that's where I'm at right now. And, um, yeah, it's an interesting thing that, yeah, it's something I've been pondering a lot recently, the the balance between progress and, and modernity and the traditions and conventions, well, not conventions, traditions, the things that we've been doing in the past that we seem to be losing right now 
but that has importance. Yeah, yeah because the, the other aspect is the sustainability, our favorite word. word yeah, yeah. That uh, <laughs> those people lived in, in balance with, yeah. with their surroundings. They, they knew what it take to, to have a, a cow or a pig. Yeah. Uh, uh, they 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 knew how to slaughter it mm-hmm. they they knew the entire pro- process they knew also when they sow a seed how it grows mm-hmm. they have seen the process and that's what is missing from today's uh, urban society that the, no one has a clue yeah it, it it boils i mean boils down it's it's something that affects everything like yeah. if people are less connected to things that they're the more it's much easier to mislead people who don't have a tangible grip yeah. on the things that are being discussed. Yeah, and that's, that goes yeah. back to the separation of waste and all, all of that, uh, all of those uh, things like uh, people don't have a clue. No, of, no, yeah. what, like what would happen afterwards uh, yeah. is, is less immediate, whereas yeah. in a village you'll see things go wrong quite quickly. Yeah, Yeah, yeah it's like... Also, these these systems. Also, when you feed a city from outside, from somewhere else to the world, you don't see uh, the footprint. Yeah. Of what what has happened? But uh. if you grow in your own garden, and you wait and you put your the waste what you create on, in your own garden, mm. if you put the plastic there, it's, you're gonna see it uh, next yeah, year. Yeah, it's too. not gonna be very yeah. nice. No. Now, now how the world became so so global. Mm. Now the people who go to Bali and 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 uh, different nice beaches mm. uh, which were uh, used to be nice, yeah. now they find the plastic. Yeah. And that's how the circle. Uh, got closed like yeah the plastic and plastic yeah. here and plastic there yeah yeah, yeah that's closed circle yeah this, this plastic thing is very very interesting that yeah what i also realized when i have seen it is also in emerging countries is a is an issue mm-hmm. that it's also a social process it's not just that the people are not sophisticated enough they have these you know they have these patterns yeah uh, and maybe if Ten years ago, there was no no plastic mm. packaging. They could no. throw away, like also in Africa or, or in Asia, they could yeah. throw away the banana peels and Absolutely, it, it just yeah. di- uh, disappeared. But uh, from the moment the, the plastic is there and they still have these habitual patterns, that creates the problem. Yeah, because I don't blame the them. supermarket chains go there, they provide, hello, here we have all of these nice, crunchy and sweet and all of these products. Mm. What I can actually relate to, because in Hungary, after the supermarkets came in, people were like, oh, we have all of these choices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And part of the society were kind of programmed in a way, oh, we have to consume, we have to buy it, because it's even this is from the shop. There was a distinction for uh, five or ten years that what the homemade was, that was not that good, because the, the other Coca-Cola or whatever, the brands from West, they were much better. Yeah. And now it's kind of after 20 years, it's turning back and, oh, it's homemade. Oh. And, yeah. they, and you pay like uh, f- five times more for a, for a very trivial product or food. Seriously, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Especially with, uh, with food. Like if you make something, I've tried making sauerkraut which might not be the most appetizing example for some people but i've I've made lots of things by trying to do it myself yeah. rather than buying the pre-packaged thing and then some people are very enthusiastic wow it's homemade you know oh, it's, yeah, it's yeah. great 
other people don't trust it or something yeah. even though I've seen the entire process I've seen the raw materials I've done something with them yeah. I know exactly what's happened you ate it you're still alive yeah I'm, <laughs> I'm still alive guys look but it's yeah. you know I've, 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 I've seen the whole thing and I imagine you trust I haven't poisoned it or anything whereas these companies and these big more anonymous sources yeah. well it's you know it's a lot harder sometimes to even with the hummus you know mm -hmm. uh, we tried to make hummus but it was kind of not that uh, nice like in the shop they mm. they kind of make it more smooth on, on for the tongue yeah they have their tricks i don't know how but sometimes i i spread it on my rice waffle or whatever oh, you know uh, rice cake yeah rice cake whatever and i just think about the process jeez okay it's not meat but imagine the the scale mm. what Lidl could have like they, they like how they make this I don't know if it's like just simple like human scale uh, pots and there are ladies in some kitchen, oh, some yeah. central kitchen like <laughs> making the humans just and, like on the label and then, yeah and uh, or it's some giant humus factory mm. which is nice because it's like super efficient and of course a yeah, lot of yeah. technology is involved hygienics uh, ajccp oh the know. whole certification yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 so all of that but still if it's uh, industrial scale mm. all kinds of hidden problems can be swept under the rug let's oh, say oh yeah 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 and they magnify it's it's a very efficient yeah. system but it's very fragile yeah, that, that's there's one thing that goes wrong just blows up and then all the supermarkets have to get rid of their their yeah. horse meat lasagna i mean in general the problem with centralization but then specific examples being contamination yeah. um the fact that some virus can spread across the world within weeks i would have thought uh, yeah. and come in contact with a lot of people and then yeah the the, the centralization of, of yeah. things leading to the centralization of power of interests yeah so Centra that's a very nice question also for you maybe mm. to research with amy to how big could be the system yes you know because if, if it's normal scale that oh it's financially not that viable but if you go to like to make a huge uh, system then mm. it can have again all of these i don't know yeah yeah it's like a big monoculture then one of the interesting, one of the things I've been thinking about is that it's not necessarily an Amy system in that you, who says you have to have aquaponics, mushrooms yeah. and insects all under one roof, right? Because all these systems already exist. You have aquaculture, you have greenhouses, you have all these things. It's maybe using the same principles. Exactly. The connection. So you, exactly. Yeah. So you yeah. have your separate greenhouse, you have your separate aquaculture, you set up some insect farms because there aren't that many right now. Yeah. You have uh, mushrooms, all that. And yeah, you start connecting them. So they do become yeah. interdependent. But, well, ecosystems, yeah, they're resilient yet efficient, yeah. but in a decentralized way. You know, for example, permaculture, mm. uh, regener regenerative agriculture, mm. there, there are so many different systems. So yeah. in, in a sense, they are saying the same. But yeah. of course, uh, in every branch, there is a thought leader mm. who wants to release uh, books and new ideas. Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. why it's also kind of uh, mm, fragmented. fragmented in a way. But in the end, somehow, every also Amy falls under yeah. this. So in the end, some kind of uh, merge or loose loose merge would be nice. Yeah. How the coexistence among them, and mm. if they use the similar principles, that is much easier. 
Yeah, and I think we have to use similar principles because the the universe, the world, mm. favors these principles because they work in ecosystems. So yeah, I started thinking that we have controlled environment, agriculture, vertical farming, and permaculture, and they couldn't be more different. But really, permaculture and, and Amy were basically saying the same thing. It's just that yeah. one is controlled environment because sometimes you need that if you're yeah. up north, whereas the other one's more let it do its own thing. Yeah. Ecosystem, yeah, yeah. natural, yeah. yeah. And ride the wave of nature. Yeah, exactly. That sort of wishy-washy, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but uh, what I also <laughs> I kind of uh, uh, got into some kind of conclusion with the permaculture mm. uh, compared, or the permaculture principles compared to industrial agriculture uh, yeah. principles or attitude or approach, mm. we can also say that, yeah. that globally the permaculture is not a, profitable business model on, no. in, in a way but it it can be only profitable with the courses and additional second third activities on the farm uh, hosting people yeah because if you don't put input like mm-hmm. it's uh, being done so aggressively with modern uh, industrialized agriculture you yeah. also cannot take uh, uh, that much out yeah you cannot really scale it up only yeah. Joel Salatin hacked it a bit with, yeah, that's brilliant. With, with, with the animals, but he also puts his heart uh, and his whole life as a, as a lifestyle. Uh, yeah, uh, and he sells books and things like that, so I don't yeah, know how normal... So he walks the talk. Run. But I've, I've heard of permaculture systems that are actually yeah. really productive per square meter, yeah. but they're just very labor-intensive, labor intensive. and then you got like... Yeah. I know a family working on it and they uh, started reading this book I forget it was called what it's called about a couple in France who yeah. have some land and they're, they're applying these principles yeah. and they were getting yield uh, yields that they just that were just unthinkable yeah yeah but, but they put uh, their heart in exactly and everything and can know? we scale that up and yeah. there was another question I had for you um, can't remember now but it was yeah can we scale that up and is yeah, is it realistic? I suppose. Yeah, how how do you see that? Yeah, I mean, uh, if you have people with understanding how nature works and how uh, how to make uh, honest, uh, good quality food, it's a very nice skill to have. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing is, we don't have to choose. No, yeah, there is also in between. You d- we don't have to go to high tech all the way. No, we can. There is also low tech. Have you, know? you heard of the the thing with uh, the prophets and the wizards? Have you heard of that that dilemma or, or discussion? It's I forget who coined it, some Dutch guy I think. But the wizards are the ones who believe that technology is the solution. You know, the vertical farmers that we need to have controlled environment, agriculture, mm. and you know everything's controlled and no external input output or yeah, just concentrate it, industrialize. And then you got the prophets who are like you know. Let's go back to the ecosystems and nature man and mm. uh, go back to the, you know, the, the hippie types, perhaps. Yeah, but in the they're end... Both not, they both have a point, Yeah, but they're kind of incompatible, so they need to combine into something. Have you heard about the Schumacher College? South England. I've yeah. heard of it, yeah. So it's got its name from a guy, uh, I, I believe, uh, Eric Schumacher. He was an economist. Hmm. but already like 40 years ago and he he had this uh, Schumacher model Mm -hmm. economic model he was already seeing these patterns emerging in the 60s 70s in England and also he was an internationally 
a renowned economist yeah and he was finding these little machinery because mm-hmm. to do everything with hand is like you don't want to do no. that no, 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 no but to do everything with machines and have only a few farmers somewhere in a, in a control room <laughs> yeah yeah and there's the and the cities are full with people and like crowded and just not nice anymore mm. and the countryside is empty because everything is controlled and uh, industrial agriculture is going and there is no work for people so that yeah. is in between so there are smaller machineries there are certain tasks that people still can do mm-hmm. and that was his his model and that's huh. what the Schumacher College is still working on partly in mm-hmm. Devon or close to Devon. I don't know whether that, I mean, I like the idea. I just don't know whether that's realistic, whether you can actually, because it sounds to me like you're then artificially slowing down technological progress, which allows for the production of goods to be cheaper, because that's what it's about, right? Yeah, but at the same time, if you have cheap products, mm. but people have, have no work, but no. And everybody lives in the cities where you need to create control or whatever mm. vertical, whatever very complicated systems. Yeah. That also costs a lot of money. It does. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's just a, it's also like if one, com- if one country starts doing this, like for example, that I think in the West we are not open to genetically engineering human beings then there's always going to be some country somewhere like china who will do it and mm. then i i think it's it's very hard to stop as much as the byproducts of this develop of these developments are not good it's very hard to 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 get them yeah to stop it by just stopping the things that are driving it i think it's more interesting but it's to come not up happening solutions it's it's a, what do you mean it's not happening the schumacher model he no ju- no he just no. he just gave an kind of answer mm-hmm. 40 years ago to yeah. our discussion whether it should be labor mm-hmm. intensive or automated so he was giving kind of the middle way which is yeah always the best we should admit it very often yes yeah. so it's like the goal is to have something that's a middle ground where people have meaningful work yet not they don't need to do all the shitty jobs but it how do you get there i mean did he say do you have any prescriptions as to how you could get there because i don't think limiting technological progress is but the it's way. not limiting i mean how would you do that you know? i mean how what does he say uh, yeah to use machinery which mm-hmm. uh, loosens up the labor intensivity yes. so keep it fun you know yeah still keep labor on the on the farm mm-hmm. or on the countryside Mm-hmm. where it's much much more healthy to live compared mm-hmm. to cities right yeah yeah but of course that's why new economic models are still being discussed since the 40 years but his uh, approach is still going on and thinkers like ourselves yeah some of them go there to study and they apply it in different parts of the world for so, example mm-hmm. also in in hungary Mm-hmm. There was a big problem with unemployment. People needed to work somewhere. Mm. So what, what they do, do now is to create in little villages a kind of program mm-hmm. where people start to, again, start to grow their food with involving some technology. Okay. So if you take a rural village yeah. where there is unemployment, unemployment rate, yeah. and they have the supermarket. Yeah. They have no money to go to the supermarket, ah. but if they would have the money, 
mm-hmm. and would go to the supermarket, then all of the money, the resources would go away through the supermarket supply chain. Yeah. 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 And slowly or surely, if there is no factory or no other activity, no tourism in the village, mm-hmm. then the village would go, would die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can actually make a circular, more circular model where you have the resources, you mm. have land, you have resources, you have water, yeah, yeah, and yeah. you create a system which is sustainable in a way that you don't buy one machine which opts out the entire village labor force yeah. and just one guy owns it and, and he, he sells his produce somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But everybody, or not everybody, but but people who are still willing to work and do something for themselves, mm-hmm. they grow food. Yeah. And that's happened in Detroit too. Yes. You know, yes. so there are many, many examples. Also, okay. Cuba yes. is also an example. I don't say it's a highly profitable model. No, no, Cuba's not the, utopia. If the, hmm. if the shit hits the fan, yeah. which can hit the industrialized, automated, because yeah. all, all of the machinery goes by fuel. Of course, yeah, everything. So, but if you go a couple of grades back and yeah. you have smaller machinery and yeah, some people scale. around, then it's much more resilient. So that's the whole idea. Yeah, yeah, Detroit's a good example. Yeah, yeah, yeah it makes sense. I think it works best then on a local scale. Yeah, yeah you know, course. on a global scale, you're competing no, no, with you, everyone. You, you don't, you don't no. have to uh, yeah. produce. It's already good if you, if people use their labor force and their uh, resources around them mm. to create food for themselves. It's yeah, like the yeah. black soldier flies. Yeah, know? no, really. It's just yeah. it's the same, 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 same. It is. It's, it's keeping the physical resources there and yeah, making people less determined, uh, dependent on yeah, the external world. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's all about the, the dynamics of global and local. Uh, this, yeah, this is happening. Yeah, that's a big thing at the moment. Yeah. Have you heard of Andrew Yang? No. Okay, he's a candidate for the 2020 uh, presidential elections in mm. the States. Mm. And he's advocating universal basic income, mm. which he calls the freedom dividend. And he's basically talking about the same problems, that there's so much automation that it's inevitable that people are going to lose their jobs and you know without that we're going to have uh, quite a shock and and so on but yeah his solution is universal basic income but i think something like what you're proposing with detroit and the schumacher institute yeah yeah might work universal basic income is good for also for propaganda you know a bit like uh, if Mm. you keep people uh, a little bit busy then Mm. it's also good for them yes because you know well, he's not advocating that you would be able to survive off um, this freedom dividend, but that it would just like, be just enough for you to have the bare yeah, necessities. I, ca- I kind yeah. of, I, yeah. I, I'm familiar with the ideas, but uh, yeah. indeed, again, it could mm-hmm. be a good combination. Exactly. To, to I, actually, to get to the point that you develop yourself on a, on a level that you know what you want to do with your life. Uh, so what's the real the the next next uh, step next step for me yeah Yeah. Um, on the scale of my master's degree it would be ACT next period then my thesis then my internship and that's it so I'm almost done with courses Hmm. I've still got like two courses to go and that's it so it's going Hmm. pretty quickly but yeah either a PhD or go and work in industry for a few years and then see from there because it'd be nice i've been in this whackening a world for a few years ago uh, a few years now and it would be good just to 
step outside of it and see what else there is for a bit. Yeah. And would you prefer to live in the next couple of years in a similar setting or in a huge metropolitan crowded? <sighs> yeah, because... I think right now where I am now, probably a, a huge city mm. because there's there's just so much opportunity of meeting different people, mm. different ideas, there's so much going on. I don't think I could see myself living in a city forever because, mm. yeah, it is crowded and I like having the space. That's the mm. wonderful thing about Wackeninger, you know. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's probably what I'd do. Okay. So so people who are interested in uh, what you do, mm. they can follow you on yes. alexgrowsup.com. Right? That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for the shout out. Yeah. yeah. And uh, where else? Well, I'm on Twitter, Alex Van Tile, but the main stuff is on uh, alexgrowsup.com. Really. Okay. So are you still a member of this Amy project? Yes. Yes. It's a loose group, loosely defined group. Yeah. How is uh, it called? Amy's Farm Lab. Um, okay. It's amy.farm. That's mm. our uh, our address. And you'll see a thing about what Amy systems are about, what we've done. Uh, so the white paper, uh, the TEDx talk, um, mm. the video. And now we're working on a scientific paper where we're going to go and look at literature and test our assumptions. Because we've all been talking about this Amy stuff. And, you know, some of us are, are doing research into insects and aquaponics. But now we want to see whether uh, it has some, or, or I guess, test our ideas with, yeah, mm. with uh, literature as well and see okay. what we get and have a comprehensive review that everyone can look at. Yeah. Okay, cool. And that's it. Great. Yeah, so... Anything you want to share or ask from me? <laughs> um, ha, huh, good question. Yeah, is there anything, uh, who's your next podcast guest? Uh maybe Iran okay yeah. yes yes you're gonna talk about ice baths that sort of thing yeah who knows yeah, yeah that would be good yeah. yeah so stay tuned definitely viewers yeah yeah and yeah thank you very much and keep on keep up the good work yeah thanks a lot Jolt yeah it's been a pleasure being on here yeah okay say hi to the people hi people and <laughs> and you people yeah ciao ciao bye bye yeah. bye bye